Peter on the rocks. Yes. With that very sure foundation in mind, you may have a seat. Well, good morning. And I would just like to say congratulations to everybody in the room. You have survived the deepest snow of the year. You shoveled your way out. You got here to church because you're faithful. The snow was not going to keep you away. <laughs> yeah. And uh, for some of you, uh, this is not the 930 service. Of course, it would be 1030, wouldn't it? But nonetheless, I had to do that. Yep. <clears throat> so, so welcome. Yeah, we get, we get snow. Who knew? North Carolina, right? So, so unexpected. So unexpected. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how many of you know Jimmy Phipps, but he and Sonia are about to have a wedding anniversary next week. And so he was home on uh, Friday, and uh, he was home alone, and he thought, well, I'll just ask Alexa what Sonia will want for our anniversary. So he said, Alexa, what would Sonia want for our anniversary? And he said, she hasn't stopped talking yet. <laughs> yeah. How many of you have Alexa in your house? <clears throat> Alexa? Yeah. Um, not to frighten you, but Alexa is always listening. Always listening. And um, sometimes <clears throat> in my house, Alexa would just chime in on a conversation. Like she'll say something in a conversation or, or whatever or or, or, or something, or she will laugh. Has anybody had Alexa just laugh randomly in their house? Like she'll just start laughing? Nobody has? Well, honestly, my house is haunted, and the ghosts are now talking to Alexa. That's probably what, what's happening there. But nonetheless, yeah, you know, every now and then she'll just go, <laughs> nothing. Yeah, it's just kind of, it's kind of spooky, kind of spooky the way all that happens. Um, <clears throat> yesterday, uh, Nicole, uh, not Nicole, Nicole was home, uh, actually Quinn is home from college, and they were in the kitchen talking about spoons and, and little stuff like that, and I was cooking a hamburger. Now, when I cook a hamburger, I use Alexa, the timer on Alexa for my hamburger on the grill, so I'll come up and I'll say, Alexa, three and a half minute timer, and she'll do three and a half minutes and it'll start counting down. So I said, Alexa, um, I want a three and a half minute timer. And they were talking about spoons, and so Alexa said, I have started your three-minute, 30-second timer called um, the tiny spoon timer, because they were talking about tiny spoons, so tiny spoons. And uh, it, something else happened, like, within that moment, like, she said the tiny spoon uh, timer, and then uh, they said something. I was really ignoring their conversation because they were having it, and I was trying to do something. But then she said, I'm starting to play Ready Now. So Ready Now must be a song, right? And they must have said Ready Now, and she decided to play Ready Now, and we, we cut that song out. But nonetheless, Alexa's, Alexa's really, really always listening to you. And um, I had a friend of mine uh, have a have Alexa one time. We'll get into that later. Let's turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter six. Okay, Matthew chapter six. That's where we're at this morning. Matthew 
Alexa chapter six. Alexa chapter Alexa chapter six is where we are this morning in the text. Yes. It's a new book in the Bible we just added. <laughs> wow. Uh, I feel like I'm an hour. I, I lost an hour somehow. Just kind of sluggish a little bit. <clears throat> All right. Matthew chapter six. Let's begin reading with verse one. And it says this. Pray then like this. So Jesus is teaching people how to pray. And he says, our Father in heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. The inspired version. Yeah. It wasn't written by a king, but nonetheless. Okay. Yeah. Everybody with me? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. I have no idea what I told you to turn to other than Alexa which is not in the Bible. If you're looking for that, you need discipleship. All right, <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. I want to pause for a moment and say this. Alexa is not the only, only thing that's listening in your home. It's not the only thing listening. And long before Alexa was created, God the Father was listening to everything that you say and, everything, and watching everything that you do. In fact, God the Father was on call with a wake-up word, if you will. Anytime, any moment, even though he was always listening, you could actually approach the throne of grace by just saying, our Father. And once you said our Father, God the Father in heaven lent his ear to whatever you were about to say. And ladies and gentlemen, that is a privilege. It is an absolute privilege to be able at any moment, at any time, no matter what is happening, whether it's good or bad, to actually say our Father and our Father in heaven will listen to us. It is a privilege. I think sometimes it's a privilege we take for granted. Like he's always, we know he's always there and we don't necessarily talk to him a lot, but God the Father really wants you to talk to him a lot. He wants you to say our Father to get his attention. Now, some people, and I'm not saying this is wrong, will tell you that this particular word father is the word Abba, which means daddy in scripture. And whereas, yes, it can be translated daddy, it is not all that this word means. The reason that they do that, and I completely understand and agree, is because they want to talk about how you and I can be intimate with our daddy in heaven. And daddy just is kind of a softer, softer twist on the word father right? And so daddy is often used by preschoolers, right? Preschoolers, daddy, 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 daddy. And at some point it changes. It changes to dad or it changes to father, but the DY falls off of it somehow, right? And it goes from preschool to maturity. And I believe that you and I need to move past in our maturity, calling God daddy and call him father. Because father is more encompassing of who he really is. Does he want to be intimate with us? Yes. Can we approach him at any moment like a child? Absolutely true. He wants that relationship. But father means so much more than just daddy. It, it is so much more significant, that word father. So, father, let's talk about that in a minute. Father, in scripture, is generally the head of the household. 
He is the one that is in charge of the household, charge of organizing it, charge of keeping peace, charge of making sure things are happening correctly in the home. The father is in charge of all that. Now, ladies, listen, this is not to say that you don't have a role to play in this, because let's be honest, right? Women keep the house running. Women organize the house, organize the children. They do a lot of organization. But this isn't, this isn't a sermon about God our mother because he's not a mother, he's a father. And that needs to be said today because some people think that God is feminine and he's not. In fact, if we're really pushed in a corner, Jesus Christ is the only one that is male and God is just spirit. He's neither male or female, but he presents himself in scripture, not as a female, but as a man, as a father in scripture, as a male. And the reason he does that is because he is the head of the household of God. He is the head of the one that is in heaven. And so that translates into our marriages as well, that the father is the head of the household. And as the head, he's the one who owns, cares for, runs, and sustains the house. The father is the one that should be providing for that. This is not saying that a mom can't provide or a mom can't work. I'm not saying that at all, and neither is God. But what it is saying is the father is supposed to make sure that that is happening in the home. That is his responsibility. So when we say our father, yes, it's an intimate conversation, but we're approaching someone that can organize your chaos. We are approaching someone that can do something about your request. We are approaching someone who has the authority and power to hear your request and answer it in a timely manner and has the wisdom to do so, and he will answer that particular request appropriately. So God the Father is more than just daddy, 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 I want this. It is, it is, a, it is a point of position, it's a point of respect, it's a word of honor for the God that created us. And he deserves that honor. He deserves it. Absolutely. This phrase is our father. I think that's very important. It's not my father. It's ours. I, I, it's not a singular possession that I have that you don't have. <clears throat> I think we need to hear that. I'm not the only one that can talk to the father. You can too. He is our father. And he's our father equally. My prayers are not special because I'm a pastor. My prayers are special because I'm a son of God. Your prayers are just as special because you are a son and daughter of God and in his family. It is our father and it's a collective. That means when I go to pray, I am praying as a group. I'm not just praying for myself. I'm a part of a group that should be praying the same sort of thing, right? I'm a part of something that's bigger than myself. Aren't you glad that you're a part of something that's bigger than just who you are? Church, aren't you? It is our Father collectively. We are praying to somebody that's bigger than we are, and we're praying as a group that is bigger than we are individually. We are not going through this world alone. We have God the Father, and we have each other. And that is enough to get us through dark days and dark times and even good times. Our Father who is in heaven. So, so it's, it's bigger. It's, it's a group. 
It's God, the sustainer. He's, he's the one that organizes things. He's the one that does all that. But it's something else too. Um, the first time that Father is, Father is used in Scripture is in Exodus. And it's in the, it's in the scope of Moses going back into uh, um, Egypt to free the children of Israel. They're in slavery, and he is sent by God to go back to Egypt and pronounce to Pharaoh to let God's people go, to let God's children go. And so that's the first time that we, we see the term father. And he's going to a group of people that are enslaved in order to free them. Here's the scripture uh, where it's seen the first time. Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 through 23 says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. So Jesus is saying that the children of Israel are his, that's his family, that's his children, and you need to let them go. It is God the Father that sent Moses to free his children from slavery. To free his children from slavery so that they could have freedom in the promised land. It is Moses that was sent. Paul speaks to this in the New Testament because you and I are also people that were enslaved and freed by somebody that God the Father sent. And this is what it says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, so you are no longer what? <clears throat> but a son, and if a son, an heir to, an heir through God. If a son, an heir through God. The picture here is God the Father is not just somebody that could organize your life and to answer your prayers and, and is powerful enough to do so. God the Father is a liberator of you from your sins. And what happened was he didn't send Moses to liberate you from your sin, your slavery and sin. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins so that you could be liberated. He rose the third day so that you could have life in the Lord Jesus Christ. He liberated you. See, our Father is just not daddy and intimate. He's not just an all-powerful creator. He is our liberator. And so when we go in to talk to him and we say, our Father, we are talking to someone that has set us free. And he set us free enough so that we could boldly approach the throne of grace and make our petitions toward him. He bought with the price of his son, his son's blood, your privilege of calling him father. I would submit to you this morning that God the Father has more invested in you than you have invested in him. right? He has invested more. That means he cares more. So we boldly approach and say, our father, and collectively, it is an honor and a privilege to have him as our father. Amazing thing. So the text continues. It says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, many times we hear 
we hear sermons, I've heard sermons before, where it talks about praising God, and I'm all, all for praising God. And they use this particular part of this, the scripture, this part of the prayer to say, this is the point in which you offer up praise to Almighty God, and I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But that word hallowed means something a little different than just us offering up praise to God the Father. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, hallowed. Hallowed, yeah, hallowed. So what does it mean? Well, it means holy, holy. And in fact, in this particular um, place, I lost my words there, right? And here's, here's why I tell you why, because I'm about to talk about grammar. And you know, that is like my number one thing right? It, it is like the thing that I, I am just excellent at. Grammar, you've heard me speak. It's perfect grammar, right? All the time, just absolutely perfect grammar. So it, so it just took a pause here a moment because I'm about to talk about grammar. And, and here, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is not an adverb. It's not an adverb. Hallowed is a verb. It's a verb. And so what God is saying, what Jesus is saying to us to say to our Father is, um, our Father, make your name holy. That is the appropriate translation of that particular passage of Scripture. Make your name holy. That is a verb, not an adverb. It's not holy is your name. It's not holy is your name as an adverb. It is make your name holy. Well, when I first discovered this, in my mind, I was thinking, your name's already holy, so why do you need to make it holy? Like, did anybody else think of that question right up front? Like, why does it make your name holy when your name's already holy? That would be like saying, like a piece of wood is wet, right? That would be like, let's make that wood wetter, which isn't good grammar, right? Or the wood is solid, um, make that piece of wood solider. It, it's just, that's just not, right? It, like, that's the same thing. Like, what do you mean make your name holy? And so you begin to think about this. Lord, we're praying that you will make your name holy. And the reason that God needs to make his name holy is not because somehow or another it lost his holiness, but because the human race has degraded it in the way that they use it. So you hear people saying Jesus Christ, not in a praiseworthy fashion, but in a degrading fashion, like a cuss word. Or you hear people say, oh, God, and they say that in a very degrading fashion. They're upset, and they say, oh, God, or they say Jesus alone or Christ, are them both together. And they're not doing it because they're honoring the Father. They're not doing it because they're honoring Jesus Christ. They're doing it and they're, they're really profaning the name of our God. They're profaning the name of Jesus Christ. Now, someone calls, i, I just be honest here. If, if someone calls God Daddy, it irritates me on the inside but I put up with it, okay? Okay, I'm just not going to approach, like, it's just, but what irritates me more 
is when people use the Lord's name in vain. There is something that's deep inside of me that says, oh. And it's not just an irritation like, that's tacky. See, the daddy thing to me is kind of tacky. Inside, it's like, that should not be done. And it's a different sort of feeling. Are you with me? And I just get sort of like a cringe on the inside when people use Jesus Christ. Even if, even if it's just, you know, something happened and it was bad and, and, you know, they just slipped and said it. It's still, there's something on the inside of me that says that should not be done. And ladies and gentlemen, my inward feelings on that one are correct. That should not be done. And so when we pray, our Father, make your name holy, the first step in accomplishing that task is for the children of God to make sure they use God's name appropriately, that they use Jesus Christ, his name, appropriately, that it's not some slang word that comes out of our mouth, but it's something that comes out of our mouth to praise and to glorify and to seek him. Is everybody with me? So we ask him to make his name holy, and we become part of that, of that thing. And then we're asking him to make his name holy, and what we're doing is we're asking him to come back and wipe out all the evil and set up his name as the holy name that runs the earth and brings justice to the earth. That's what we're praying. Don't you long for justice? Okay, I do. I do. Don't you long for justice? Yeah? I don't know if you've been watching the news lately, but if it could get crazier, it has gotten crazier. A lot crazier. And it's not just politics. It's everything. It's just getting crazier. It's just getting crazier. And so we are asking God to come on the scene and we're asking him to come and make his name holy in the whole world so that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what we're asking for. His name to be holy. It's not an adverb. It's a verb. Lord, make your name holy and start with me and start with me. So the prayer continues, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How, how many people in here just really like to get their way? Thank you for being honest because this is true. This is a moment. I love to get my way. I love to have my own will be the one that rules the house, Right? I like to do my own thing, I like to make my own decisions. I like to go in my own direction. I like to be my own man. Just like to be my own man, right? I like to have my own kingdom. Like this is what I control. This is what I do. You know, this is this is all mine. That's that's what I like. I like to be in control. I know you you don't think that of me, but I really I really like to be in control. I I hate to be out of control. Like if stuff is out of control, I want to come in and just control it, set it up, and let's get it let's get this thing working and move on. I like to be the one in control. This particular prayer says that I should never really want to be in control. This prayer says that instead of my will, I want the will 
that God the Father has in heaven, and I want that to touch down on this earth and be my will. This prayer says that I need to push my will aside and replace it with God the Father's will so that his will can be done here on earth, so that his kingdom can come and so that his will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. This means for everybody in the room, in your household, your goal is to have a little touch of heaven in your house. And the way you have a little touch of heaven, a little touch of the kingdom in your house is when you pray, Lord, in my house, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In this moment and what we're facing, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is the moment that heaven touches down on earth. That is the moment that the kingdom touches down on earth. And you just have a little taste of that here in your homes. This is the same thing that you should ask at your job. Because we, we all, you know, not really, I don't, but we, we all have, I can't say that. There are people that have jobs that really need to pray this when they go to work. They have issues with coworkers and they're not really sure how to handle that. And maybe they get upset. And the prayer that you pray in that moment is, Lord, not my will, because I want to strangle them. Okay? I want to cause them harm. Not my will, but your will be done. Your will is that I love them and I act like I am a child of yours as I interact with them. That is your will for me. So I want a little touch of heaven, a little touch of the kingdom here on earth as I interact with them. Right? You pray your will, not mine. See, Jesus knows the struggle that we have. Because there are things in this life that we want a certain way. And Jesus wanted the cup of suffering to pass from him. And Jesus Christ said, but not my will, but your will be done. And it was an example to us that even though we might want this particular trial to pass by us, that instead of just going for that will to say, Lord, if you want me to endure this, I'm going to endure it. Not my will, but yours, because I want a little touch of the kingdom here on earth. I want a little touch of heaven here on earth. I want your will to be done. Your will, not mine. Your will, as it is in heaven. So we get to verse 11. It says, give us this day our daily bread. We're all cool with that, right? We're all cool with that. We're all cool with, with God giving us our daily bread and our needs for the day. I mean, we, we ask for that often. We jump right in. We say, Lord, I need this. We need this. We're trying to make this bill. Help us with that. Um, we need have this medical condition. Please give us what we need to, to help with that particular issue. And we ask God to help us. So give us our daily bread. Give us our daily bread. And we're really neat with that. Okay? We're really great with that. But then the prayer goes on and it says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And then, forgive people? I'm really good with, I'm really good with getting bread, right? Can we jump back to the bread thing? I feel more comfortable there. Like, give me my daily bread, give me my needs, give me the money that I need. I'm really all good with that, but 
really, I'm supposed to pray, forgive me, Lord, like I forgive other people? Like, I told Bob, not you, Bob, but I told Bob, I told Bob that I was going to forgive him, but I really didn't. In fact, I told him that I did forgive him, but I'm still holding resentment in my heart. So you're asking me to pray to you, Father, um, forgive me like I forgive other people. So I'm resenting Bob, so you should resent me a little bit. That is not as comfortable as bread. Okay, let me go back to bread a few minutes. I feel better about that. Like, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Oh, oh, but forgive me like I forgive other people. Wow. Forgive me like I forgive, forgave Jane. Not your Jane. I'm just using random names. Okay. Not really random, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Jane. Help me forgive Jane like, like I forgive Jane. I really have never forgave her for what she did to me. I've never forgiven her of that. So in praying this, Lord, forgive me my sins if I've forgiven other people's sins. So Lord, this is what you need to do. You need to not forgive me of that same sin because I haven't forgiven Jane. This is a, this is a pretty striking little prayer, ladies and gentlemen. See, we often, we often treat this Lord's Prayer thing as something cute that we all say together. Like in church, like if you grew up that way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our, our trespasses and we forgive other people's trespasses, right? Deliver, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And we just say it kind of quaintly. But man alive, you get to this particular forgiveness thing and you have to do some soul searching at this point in the prayer. Because ladies and gentlemen, forgiveness is a hard thing to do. It is a hard thing to do. Basically, what this verse is saying is Jesus wants us to clean up the house. We want to, he wants us to clean up that relationship that we have broken with that particular individual. He wants us to clean up the mess. Forgive us as we have forgiven others. So forgiveness is hard. Um, there are two different scenarios that I've come to realize in this forgiveness thing. First scenario, you're the one that wants to clean it up. So you approach the person and you do everything that you can. You're sweeping the floor and you're saying you're sorry and you're trying to work it out. But that particular individual does not want to work it out. They're not even close to working it out. Well, it's at that point that you forgive them and you move on. And if they are not going to clean the house too, that is a relationship that really you don't need to keep. You need to move on. The relationships that you need in your life is the other scenario. Where something's happened between two friends and you come and you say, I need to clean this up. I'm so sorry. And they say, I'm sorry for what I did. And you clean up the mess and you keep those friendships because both people have to clean up the mess. It cannot be just one. Come on. Can't be just one. And the people that you want in your life are the people that say, you are worth it to me to clean up the mess. 
I forgive you, and they say, I forgive you, all right, let's move on. And they really mean that they're going to change what they're doing, and you really mean that you are going to change what you, you're doing, and you move forward. This happened just yesterday to me in my house. I was talking to Nicole, and, and I, I have phrases that I say every now and then when she turns and pushes my buttons a certain way. And she called me out on one of those phrases. And I said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for that. And I tell you, I'm not going to use that phrase again. I just won't use that phrase again. And it was a phrase that I didn't realize she was taking a particular way. Does that make sense? That, you know, because sometimes I just throw things. It didn't matter. I shouldn't have threw it out. And so I said, I'm sorry, and I won't use that phrase again. And she shook her head, and I said, okay, let's move on. See, that's two individuals working out a particular situation, right? Cleaning up the mess and moving on. Those are the people you want in your life. If there's individuals that just want to stay in the mess, you forgive them and leave them in their mess. You do not have to be a part of that. Here's the clincher, at least I think is the clincher. There is sometimes in my life where I can forgive people for five minutes at a time because they're irritating. Are you sitting beside that pe- person I'm talking about right now? I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You, they're just so irritating. And so what you have to do is you have to forgive and then try to extend the time to six minutes, right? And then extend the time to seven minutes, right? And then there's some people you can forgive for a day and then the next day they're not forgiven anymore because you give the forgiveness and you take it back. You give the forgiveness and you take it back. You give the forgiveness and you take it back. And if we are really supposed to pray, God, Forgive me my sins as I have forgiven other people's sins. I do not want him to take his forgiveness back. Come on. And I need to do the work to get to the place where they are just completely forgiven. You don't have to forget what they did. Forgiveness is not holding that against them in your mind. It's not holding resentment toward them in your mind. You forgive and you let go. They did it, but I've forgiven it. And it's work. And sometimes forgiveness is harder than other times. But you need to do the work because God says, forgive us our trespasses is the actual word, as we forgive other people's trespasses. And God forgives the exact same way I just asked you to make sure that you forgive other people. He does. There is a difference between people that have asked forgiveness for their sins and they've received it from Jesus Christ, their Savior, and people that haven't. The people that haven't are the people that all of their sins is going to be held against them at the end of time. Right? They're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Those people are not forgiven. We are. So we ask God to forgive us as we forgive other people. And that should be a motivation to do the work correctly. So we forgive our debts. 
for our trespasses as we have also forgiven other people's trespasses. And lead us not into temptation. Man, there's so much temptation. Lord, do not lead me into it. I do not want to be led into that temptation. Please, please, please do not let, let me be led into that temptation. Um, recently, um, I've had a couple of friends that are pastors that have fallen in particular ways. And um, it has broken my heart. And as I've prayed for them and their churches, um, I've also prayed that God would not allow me to fall into the same temptation. There is just way too much at stake. And I even go one step further. I ask the Lord to take me out before I fall into a temptation like that. Just take me out of this world. Don't let me ruin your name by falling. Don't let me do it. Just take me out. Now, do I want to die? Absolutely not. I kind of like breathing the air here on earth, right? And I'm, I'm looking forward to heaven, but, you know, I want to go there, but I'm not ready to go. But, man, Lord, lead me not into temptation, and if I start to fall in that particular manner, just take me out before I do damage. Just take me out. Take me out. And it says, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Um, the world is filled with evil, isn't it? Absolutely filled with evil. And <clears throat> I think it's worse today than it was last year. I, I do have that feeling. You know, when you're, when you're younger and you're a teenager, you, you, go to, you go to school and you're like, eh, it's not as bad as my parents say it is. You know, and you kind of, you're in it. You know it's bad, but it's not really that bad. At least that's the way it was for me. Then you go to college, and, and yeah, yeah, okay, you can see some of it, right? And, but you don't see it the way that your parents saw it. And yeah, the world's evil, but it's not really as bad as they, they say it is. But then you get married, and you hold that baby for the very first time, and immediately the world is a terrifying, evil place. Like, your level of the world being evil was here and terrifying, and when you're holding that child, it escalates, because now you are responsible to keep that child safe. And you're like, oh my goodness, there's a lot of danger in the world. There's a lot of sin in the world. There's a lot of directions that this little thing can go, and I need to make sure that they go in the correct direction. Any parent worth its weight thinks that particular thing, and all of a sudden, the world is evil. And it doesn't stop when they're small. They go to school and you're checking on everything that they're doing in school. They go, they go to college and you're still checking on what they're doing in college, though they're a little bit far removed. But when they go to college, you're like, oh my goodness, the world is evil. I'm really hoping that they will hold to the values that we taught them in our home. I'm really hoping that they will hold to the scriptures and follow Jesus to the best of their ability. That is what is in your heart because you know the world is evil and you just want them to be successful and you want them to be righteous. You want them to follow the right path. You really do. That's what you want. And then you really watch the news, right? And you're really seeing that the world is evil. And you know now, like if your kids are out of the house, you know now that you can't really protect them from all that anymore. The way the, the, way the world's going and it seems to be collapsing in on itself, you really start to pray, Lord, please deliver us from this evil. Please deliver us. 
And sometimes, because of things that happen, the weight of that evil falls directly on your shoulders, and you feel the weight of it all as you're trying to push through, right, and get some type of victory in that evil, and as you're praying for your children. This prayer says that we can ask God the Father to deliver us from evil. We can ask him to deliver us. That means that he's with us. That means that there's, there's more to this prayer than just something that we recite. There's more to this prayer than something that we're actually asking so that we can receive. There's more to this prayer than just making his name holy. There is something redemptive in this whole process and something strengthening in this prayer that is available to us if we will just grab it and make it our own. So I wrote down a couple of, of things about this prayer and our father and evil and how, how that actually gives us the courage to take the next step on the next day, okay? To go forward and to be delivered from this evil. And here's, here's a couple of things I wrote down. First, our Father is walking with us through a world that is dark and terrifying. Our Father is walking with us through this world that is dark and terrifying. Your Father in heaven. There isn't a power on this planet that is more powerful than the Father that is walking with you. He brings us security. He gives us strength. We have someone on our side that is awesome and sovereign. Next, the world is a little less terrifying when we are pursuing his will and not our own. The world is a little less terrified when we're pursuing his will and not our own. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done is less terrifying than when I've got to do something about this. I've got to fight this. I've got to get this. Oh, I'm just not sure if I'll be able to do this. No, 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 no. Lord, your will be done. And yes, you have a responsibility to follow that will, but God is going to achieve his will through you as you lean on that will and follow it to the best of your ability. The next one, the world is a little less terrifying knowing we have a family on earth that we can go through these evil times with our Father. You are going through this life with me, these tark, dark times with me, and I am going with it through with you. Every person in this room that's a Christian is part of the same family. We're on the same team. You are not alone. You're not alone because God the Father's in heaven and he wants to walk with you, and you're not alone because you have Christian brothers and sisters that are with you in this to the end. That is an amazing thought. The world is a little less terrifying knowing that he is always there, always listening, and always takes care of what we need. Always there and always listening, always taking care of what we need. We will never be without. Then finally, the world is a little less terrifying when we acknowledge his willingness to help us out of our temptations. We do not have to fall into those things. Um, 
I get an email this week that tells me what I can ask Alexa. Do you, does anybody else get that email? The things you can ask Alexa? Yeah, you do? Okay, some people do. Some people don't, obviously. I'm more special. We're more special. We're at a club than other people that have Alexa, maybe. And so it's just things to try, things that you can ask Alexa. And sometimes they're interesting and sometimes they're boring. This one's boring. Okay, I thought that was funny. Listen, let me tell you something. If you ever tell a bad joke and you feel bad about it, like you really think it's the worst joke you ever heard, just ask Alexa to tell you a joke and you'll feel better about yourself every time, all right? So things to try, ask Alexa to play relaxing sounds for an hour. I don't know what those relaxing sounds are, but maybe it's water or flutes or I don't know, something. Someone going, hmm, I don't know. I haven't asked her, okay? Um, Alexa, remove two minutes from my timer. You know, the tiny spoon timer, if you could remove two minutes from that, yeah. Uh, Alexa, turn on Alexa captions. I guess it's when you have the Alexa show, there's captions on it, but not the real Alexa. How many of you have Alexas? This is pretty, yeah, this is pretty funny. Turn on captions. Like, if you just have the audible one, what does that look like? What does that look like exactly? I mean, how are they doing that? I and mean, this is where my mind goes, all right? Um, Alexa, are there delays on my commute? Listen, if she can answer that question for you, she knows too much. She knows way too much about your life and where you're going. You, you need to do something about that. That's not, that's not, that's not good. Um, Alexa, sing a thank you song. Right? That would be good at Thanksgiving. Alexa, play Jeopardy. I love Jeopardy. I love playing Jeopardy, especially when Nicole's there so she realizes how smart I really am. That's, that's what I really like. I really love that. Um, Alexa, how much caffeine is in coffee? I don't know how you can answer that question. I'm not a coffee drinker, but different coffees have different amounts of caffeine. Am I right? So how, I, don't know, I don't know how she would answer that. Um, Alexa, how do I dice an onion? If you are asking Alexa to do that, you should not be in the kitchen at all, okay? You should not be in the kitchen at all. Um, I have a friend of mine. He has a daughter named uh, Annabelle. And when Annabelle was younger, um, she, she, they, they brought Alexa into the home. And Annabelle started talking to Alexa and having conversations with Alexa. She would ask Alexa what the weather is. She learned how to communicate. Well, somewhere along the way, Alexa began to say stuff like, hey, Annabelle, um, would you, there is a cell on socks. Would you like a pair? And Annabelle would say, yes. Right? I'd say yes. Of course I would. Right? And then, Alexa, would you like um, some chocolate? Yes, I would like chocolate bars. Yes. And so she would order these things. And so over and over and over again, she would answer the question yes to Alexa. Alexa would put it in the cart and ship it to their house. So Brian, her father, kept on getting these packages. Right? 
And he, he at first wondered where they were coming from. Then he realized that they were ordered on Amazon. And then he realized that they were being ordered by, by Annabelle because she was saying, yeah, of course. It was like Santa Claus, right? Do you want this? Of course I do. I think that's a great idea, right? I think that's a great idea. Alexa, I think this is something you need. Annabelle, yes, I do need that. Why don't you send it, send it my way, right? And so it was hundreds of dollars, that she had raked up on this Alexa thing by doing that back and forth. I bring that up because of this. God the Father is not just somebody that we speak to. He's also someone that makes suggestions to us concerning things that we need. He does that in several different ways. Sometimes it's through a sermon like this one. He will say, Something through a speaker, and you'll be like, yes, I need to do that. And it's a suggestion for you. And when God the Father makes a suggestion to you, you should do what Annabelle does and say, yes, I really need that. When God convicts your heart through your devotions as you're reading through Scripture and he shows you something that you need to change in your life, you need to say, yes, Lord, thank you for showing me that. I need that. Put that in my shopping cart. I'm ordering it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do that. Because it's not just about him giving you answers to prayers. It's not just about him delivering you from evil. It's not just about him leading you not into temptation. It's about God also talking to you, prayer is, and saying, here's a suggestion for how you can live better. Here's a suggestion for how you can study better. Here's a suggestion for how you can represent me better. So as we end this, I know we talked about the Lord's Prayer and what we should pray, but at the end of this, I just need to say, sometimes we just need to sit and listen to hear God speak to us and then make the changes that he has impressed upon our souls to change. And then you will make a difference for him in your home and in your community. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us.